Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Please give it up for our pastor as he takes the stage. And our first lady. We, we did not plan outfits, praise God. We did God. not. We did not. <laughs> but he's, he's a sovereign God, isn't he? Well, I need to make a couple of announcements. The first, first announcement is uh, a lot of people have been asking about our All Nations Initiative, where we're at uh, financially in that. We are gonna give an update because we're, uh, we're holding off on the announcement because part of the announcement regarding the money that we've been able to get from that was also tied to our ability to get the building here. And so we're still in negotiation and figuring that out. So that's why we've delayed that. Um, February 28th, February 28th on a Sunday, that Sunday, uh, we will give an All Nations uh, Initiative update. Uh, that will be February 28th, that Sunday. Also, <clears throat> on February 22nd, February 22nd, Pray March Act, the justice organization of our church, we will be having a prayer night. It will be over Zoom on February 22nd at 7 p.m. And we'll be praying for our city. We'll be praying for the different issues happening in our city. That's February 22nd, so you will be able to uh, get that information through our app. One of the things that we are trying to do a better job of is promoting our Bridge Church app. If you're ever wondering what we have going on, always look at our Bridge Church app. We're, we're trying to funnel everything through there. So February 22nd at 7 p.m., we were gonna have our prayer night. Hi, Natasha. Hi. You know, it would be so cool if we could just have everybody over one night. Wouldn't that be cool? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Do you think we have space? No. No, we don't. We don't. Um, and, and you know, I hear this Wednesday, it's, a, it's like love is in the air. Love is in the air. Yeah. 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 And, and I would love to get all the young couples and the single singles, people. Singles. And, 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 and it would be cool if we could have a conversation with them about love, sex, and dating and answer all their questions that they've ever had. Wouldn't that be cool? That'd be dope. Could we have it over our house? This Wednesday? This Wednesday? Yeah, no. No, we can't no, have no, it over, can't our house. over our house. But we could too many have of them. Too, too many, many of them. Too many, too many. But we could have it here, okay? So this Wednesday, as a part of our uh, sex and sexuality talk, we will be here this Wednesday, right up there, and we will be answering everything you want to know about love, sex, sex and, dating, and dating, 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 and dating. Uh, I don't know much about app dating, praise God, but I will give as much insight as I can. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll give a talk and some overviews. So won't that be fun to talk to? That'd be so much fun. That's going to so be so much out, fun. So come on out. Come on out. Now, we also know, and, and so that it's not only for singles, but we are gearing that for singles uh, for uh, Wednesday. But everybody is welcome this Wednesday. But we know that there are people who are in situationships, praise the Lord, and they are, in, they yes. are dating and they are married and engaged. And so we are doing a thing on March 3rd, 
March, or March 2nd, March, March 2nd, 2nd. Yes. Uh, we at 7 p.m. here, we're calling it date night, and that's what it is. It's gonna be a date night. There's gonna be lots of conversation, lots of food, lots of dancing. Tarsha's gonna get on the floor. She does this great popping and locking yep. thing. It's amazing. Yep. She's got uh, incredible I skills. I have no rhythm. I have no rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> but won't that be fun, babe? That'd when be we, so fun. Yes, yeah, to answer a lot yeah. of questions. And it brings us back to how we started the church. Yeah. Yeah, when we did that first love, sex, and dating talk. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. only a few. Only a few know about love, sex, and dating. Moments. Yeah. So uh, we will do that this Wednesday. Could you guys give it up for my beautiful wife, Natasha? <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's pray. Gracious God, we're so grateful and we're thankful that we get a chance to talk about you and talk to you. We're grateful that we get a chance to learn from you and speak to you. So we ask you, God, that even now, in your grace and in your mercy, you would teach us about yourself. Be merciful to us, God, that we would learn more about you today. Be graceful to us that you would speak to our very situation. It is an honor that we can learn from the living God. We don't deserve it, but you speak. You still speak today. Even though your word is here, you still speak. And so, God, we are asking for an anointing over this time that you would speak to us. And when we walk away from this place, we know that you have spoken. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, it's always fun doing stuff with my wife. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I found a good thing. Amen? Right? But, but here's and. It says not just a good thing, but favor from the Lord. Here's what I want you to understand that uh, when we're talking about gaining favor from the Lord from having a good wife, that's not just tied to having a good wife. When you follow God's plan, you are acquiring favor from God. When you do that which God would have you to do, you are actually favor is the accumulation of obedience, of doing what God says. When you do God's favorite things, you acquire the favor of God. And that is, so it's not just tied to a wife, it's tied to a life. Living your life in such a way where God is honored in your decisions in every area of life. If we were to ask you today, do you want favor? Do you want blessing? Do you want a full life? You would say yes, yes, and yes. You would always choose yes to favor blessing in life. The problem is that every day we are faced with temptation to make an alternative choice. Last week, what we said was temptation are Satan's promises. And his promises are always immediate. It's always quick. It's instant gratification. And so in the book of James, what James is trying to cover, he's covering a big issue the issue is sin and temptation can feel so overwhelming that you can begin to presume that God must want me to sin. And another way to say it is I got no choice but to sin because I feel it, I want it, I got to do it. So James 
says in James 1 and 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God. He's saying we rationalize sin in our mind because sin is so powerful. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? And so what I want to do before we get into the other side of talking about temptation today, I want to just delve into the bigger concept of what sin is, because sin is really what temptation is trying to draw you towards. And then we're going to dive into the other half of what James says about temptation. So what is sin? Sin, the word, is a word that we don't use in our English language anymore. The Greek word is used in different ways, but the, the English word sin is actually an archery term. The archer would pull back the bow and the, the arrow would go and he would try to hit the middle mark. And whenever you did not hit the middle mark, they would call it sin. Whether you missed it by a millimeter or you missed it by a mile, it would be sin. In other words, sin is when you miss the mark, what is the mark? The mark is God's law. The mark is God's ways. The mark is God's truth. What does the Bible say about us? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all miss the mark every day. We all fall short every day, whether by a millimeter or by a mile. And so what you can do, because the Bible says all have sinned, we can say, well, nobody's perfect. We all fail. We all sin. We can get comfortable with the idea that I don't see many people making the mark. So we can do a life a certain way. But what James is trying to get at is sin is just not missing the mark. Sin is the fact that we like to miss the mark. Amen? It was, we wasn't like I, I was aiming. No, we like, I'm going to aim this way. I know the mark is here, but I like to shoot over here. Sin is intentional. That's what James is trying to get at. A lot of different words for sin in the Bible, uh, transgression, uh, iniquity, right? Those are very deep King Jamesian verbs and words. And, but I, I would say that there is a word, sin, we don't use it today in our language. Iniquity, we don't use it that often. Transgression, we don't use it that often. But there is a word that we use still today, and that word is trespass. And if you see a sign that says, do not trespass, you will not wonder what that means. It means you can't go beyond this line or this fence. In other words, you ain't got no business being here and you know that. And the minute you cross that line, you know I have committed a trespass. I've crossed the line. I grew up outside of the city in Westchester. Brooklynites call it South Canada, praise God. <laughs> Unfortunately, people in Brooklyn don't understand geography. I'll pray your strength. But as a young man, I would come into the city and drive in, and I hadn't been in the city in a long time. I came back in 2013, and so I saw a sign I hadn't seen before, had to wrestle with it. The sign said, no, Standing, what does that mean? Because I've been standing my whole life. And the sign says no standing. Now I know what no parking means, amen? No parking means don't park your car there. No driving would mean don't drive over there. 
What does no standing mean? So I wrestled in my spirit. Because I was like, you know, literally in the 90s, there, you could literally park in Manhattan. You cannot do those things now. But I was like, look at all this parking. I must have fa gained favor from God. I shall park here. My car is parked, it's not standing. But I was wrestling because it's red, and red always means no. And yet I parked. And the keepers of the law, that is the police, ticketed me. And I said, I didn't know. And they said, it doesn't matter. Because the law is the law. And so I claimed ignorance. I genuinely did not know. I saw it was red, but I saw you stand, and standing is standing. Many times, what we are trying to say is, that we didn't know. I mean, everyone's doing it. I mean, I'm just living this way. But I don't know how much I'm sinning. James is trying to make a point. Sin is not a no standing sign. It's not a sign that says, I, I really don't know. Uh, sin is when you know better. And you do it anyhow. Sin is not ambigu ambiguous does not lack clarity. So here is what James is gonna to try to communicate in the rest of this text. He is gonna say, sin is part of a temptation process, okay? It's the end game of a process. And so when you are tempted, you say yes to a series of choices and sin is the end game of a process. Does that make sense? It's the end game. So sin, um, to use this language, sin don't just be happening, okay? <laughs> sin is a process, it's a series of choices. I, you knew better, you knew better, you knew better, and then before we know it, we are sinning. And if we continue, we will sin as a pattern, we will sin as a rhythm, and we will sin as a lifestyle. So there are certain milestones we have to pass before we get in temptation, before we get to sinning, amen? Y'all understand? I know we're talking about temptation. James chapter one, verses 14 and 15 read this way. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin and Sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. James is looking out on a crowd, as I am, and though many of us may feel lured into a culture where everyone is doing something, I want you to see that first phrase, each one. Each one, on an individual level, we make decisions, and each person on these individual decisions we make, go through a series of milestones. The first milestone is lured. The Greek word there means carried away, drawn away, dragged away. If you were taking notes, I would say that this first milestone is attention. 
The first part of temptation is to get your attention. That's when it says drawn, Lord, you have started to pay attention to something. The fish pays attention to the bait. Amen? You're in a jewelry store. They shine up them jewels so that you pay attention to the bracelet or the earrings or the necklace. You drive past a model home in Long Island and you can't wait to look inside. Or you're at an automobile dealership and you look and you see these beautiful shined up cars. They're all trying to get your attention. Now, we know good and well that looking at a car is different than stealing a car. Amen? We know that? We know that looking at a home is different than breaking in a home. Don't we know that? Amen? We know that. We know that looking at jewelry and breaking into a jewelry store are two different things. Are we aware of that? So the first thing before you break boundaries is it gets your attention. So we should pay attention to what we're paying attention to. Huh? Sin first allows you to have an emotional rush with something that you've been paying attention to. Once sin knows, I've got your attention. The second stage after attention is persuasion. And persuasion, this is the word enticed, it says. The first milestone is attention. The second milestone says enticed, but we're just going to say persuasion. Persuasion, but it is a deceptive persuasion. It is to beguile, to deceive. Uh, you have the bait, then the bait. All of a sudden, you realize that bait, the fish finds out there's a hook up in here. And before you know it, it's caught you. Starts moving you to where you do not want to be. Persuasion is this idea of being reeled in. Amen? I don't know if you've felt this before. I have had times where I've said, I would like to buy some shoes. I would like to buy some white shoes. I would like to buy some New Balance white shoes because my feet hurt. And then all of a sudden I look on my phone and I find these New Balance shoes my size and just all the specific details. And I'd be looking at my phone like, do you be listening to me? <laughs> you ever felt that feeling before? Like, you know, this is, what's really going on? <laughs> Marketers would say that uh, the key to good marketing is actually watching your online behaviors. And actually what they're doing is they're offering you the things that you spend time looking at. They offer you more of what you've secretly wanted. What you've just been scrolling past. What you've just been looking at. The key though to the marketer is what you've been dreaming about, thinking about. Here's what I want to do. I want to offer you a link so you can have it now. 
In the same way, Satan tracks you like an advertiser and all he's doing is giving you more of what you've secretly wanted. And what he's saying is, you can have that, but you can have it now. Now, so, I, I know some of you probably won't break into a jewelry store, but you will destroy your budget for jewelry. What, what I'm saying is, the attention leads to persuasion, and once persuaded, we now break boundaries we know we should not break. You are so reeled in by the persuasion that you ignore the boundaries, though you know the boundaries are there. This is what temptation does. Temptation is only giving you what you want, but it's giving you what you want quickly. Satan wants to give you what you want as long as it's not the Lord. As long as it's not the Lord. He'll give you anything you want. You want power, you want persuasion, you want influence. You can have it as long as you don't want to influence people towards the Lord. So what do you want? What do you long for? In Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 12, uh, chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, Jeremiah says it this way, be appalled, O heavens, at this, be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils, two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. That's what the Lord calls himself. He calls himself the fountain of living waters. And then he says, and this is the second thing they've done. They've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. God says, here's the first thing. I am a fountain. I am like a river that if you drank from me, you would experience living water and you'd be fully satisfied. But here's what I've noticed people do. Instead of bending down and drinking from a river, they take a jug and they put water in that jug. And yet that jug is broken and it can't hold water in and of itself. Well, the problem with the fountain is that the fountain stays right there. You gotta get down on the ground and then all of a sudden you gotta get your, your mouth into the water and drink the water. You gotta get down to get into the fountain. But the jug I can carry around wherever I want. And in many ways, the imagery that he's getting at is idolatry will move where you want, but God is going to stay where he is. Uh, the jug will go where I want. In fact, I could put the jug in my pocket, but I got to get down and I've got to descend in order to get to that water. But here's the basic image that he continues to get at is, okay, take the jug where you want, but do you realize there is a hole in your jug that every time you drink, you're never going to fully be satisfied? 
that that water will always leak out and you're going to think, think of the imagery of pouring water into a jug that has a hole in the bottom. Your lips will get wet, but you will never fully be satisfied. You will taste the water, but you'll never drink. And he says, you're forsaking a fountain that never stops for a jug that can't even hold water. That's what he says our idols are. He says our idols are broken jugs that can't hold water, but they can get your mouth wet. They can give you that initial rush, that feeling like you're going to be satisfied, yet you're still wanting. And you know that's what sin does. It says, you can have me now, you can have me later, I'll go with you where you want, don't you love it? And then after you go, but that wasn't satisfying. And so what God says is, this fountain is actually what will fully satisfy you. C.S. Lewis would say it this way. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what it's meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Some of you think your sex drive is too strong. The problem is you think Sex is what can fully satisfy you. Really, your desires are too small. What James is trying to get at is we have desires and sin breaks boundaries in order to get to those desires. But he's saying your desires can only be fully fulfilled in Christ. Here, James says the source is not external. It is your desires. And you must hone your desires to be fulfilled by the Lord. Look back there in James 14 and 15 when he says you're tempted, you're Lord, you're enticed. But he makes it clear by his own desire. So you could say that in many ways what temptation is, it's desires plus deception. That's what temptation is. And it becomes sin when I've been fully deceived. So we should be very aware of what we want and we should be very aware of how much I need to get what I want. I was, uh, you know, I, I um, I've always wanted to be considered a man of integrity. I've never really been accused of anything. I've always wanted to be considered a man that's on time. I have always wanted to be considered a man that speaks the truth. I've always wanted to be considered a man that's trustworthy. I have a huge desire for that, particularly as a black man in America, because I've seen so many of my people seen in a dark light. And so when I want to step into a room, I want people to know that I am a man of God. That I live a life that's set apart. That I love my family and I love my children. <laughs> that's what I desire. 
I was, uh, during COVID, when all of our rhythms were out of whack, I uh, was offered uh, to speak uh, in this Christian podcast. And they said, you'll speak at two o'clock. And at 1.30, I decided to take a nap, praise God. <laughs> and that nap was, uh, how do you say, glorious. <laughs> and that nap went beyond 1.30 and beyond 2 p.m. It was 3 o'clock when I got the text <laughs> that said, sorry, you weren't able to make it. And I said, my God. I apologize, sir. This won't happen again. Somebody say it won't happen again. It won't happen again because I'm a man of God. Next week, meetings at three, took a nap at two. Why would you take another nap? It's easy, it's easy to ask that question now. The nap was glorious. Uh, don't worry about me, worry about you right now. Thank you, thank you. A lot of armchair quarterbacks this morning, amen. Uh, my wife busts in the room. Don't you, don't you have a podcast? Oh my God. I sat at the edge of the bed, it was too late. I've fallen asleep again. I'm gonna tell y'all the real deal. I sat there at the edge of the bed, listen, trying to craft a lie so they could know I'm a man of truth. <laughs> Think about how crazy that is. I was like, you, cause I could say my daughter's sick cause she was coughing this morning. And uh, like literally, I sat at the edge of the bed and I whipped that thing together and wrestled with it. And I was like, I so desperately want to be seen a certain way that I am literally willing to lie so that they think I'm a man of truth. Here's, here's the way Jeremiah says it. The heart is more deceitful than all else. And he doesn't say it's just deceitful. He doesn't say your heart just lies. He says it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's a sickness that makes you. Now, it hurts to admit I was late again. That hurts. But the thing that I got into was I've got to keep up a certain perception. That was a heart issue. Here's what James is trying to do. When James says own desires, James is saying, don't blame your sin or sin patterns on Satan. Don't blame it on marketing. Don't blame it on the ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Don't blame it on the alcohol. Don't blame sin on external things because 
You'll always blame them on things outside of you and you will shift blame and you won't own your own sin. And if you don't own your own sin, it will be because of the way I was raised, the way I woke up, the way I was, I didn't hit the alarm because of all the things in my life. It'll be all these things and you will live in the patterns you are in until you look in the mirror. Don't blame it on anything else. The heart is desperately sick. So this is when, when Jesus is in the, you know, when he's praying and the disciples can't keep up with him. This is, this is what literally Jesus says. Jesus says, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus says, watch yourself. And oftentimes, even in our preaching day, we'll say, look at all the sinners out there and what they're doing. And all. Don't just watch what's happening out there in the world. What's happening in your heart? What's happening inside of you? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. Why? The spirit is willing. The spirit wants to do right. The spirit knows right. The spirit desires right. The spirit watches right. The spirit amens right. The spirit knows right. But the flesh is weak. And a weak flesh will get you to rationalize what you know is wrong. Your flesh will be like, wrong is right. And you'll be like, right is wrong. And the flesh will be like, what is it though? Look, I thought, I thought wrong was wrong. And your flesh will say, are you sure? Inside of you. And so, the third milestone here, after lured, after enticed, or another way of saying it is, after you've been persuaded, or rather after it gets your attention, and after you're persuaded, then a process begins towards death. This third milestone is death. Verse 15 says, then desire, when it is conceived, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Uh, James has been using the analogy of this idea of lured, enticed, like fish, hunting even. These hunting analogies have now moved into a, another analogy, and he gives the analogy of birth. He says there's a conception, and then there's a birth. And, the, and what he's really trying to get at is just as babies don't just happen. Babies have to be conceived, and then after conception, after a long process, a baby actually then comes. That's what he's trying to get at. So, sin and sin patterns have this process. They take time through a series of choices. But he says that when you sin, Sin over time will take over your life. 
This is why he uses the imagery of fully grown. He's using the idea that you've, he's saying that you conceive sin in a seed form and then you give birth to sin, but sin will keep growing. Just like a child will not stay an infant, sin will not stay small in your life. It will grow. Kids have a summer. All of a sudden, they grow inches. Because the intention of that child in that stage is to grow. Sin will not stay small. Particularly if you give it all it needs to grow. The story goes this way. Man one day sees this cat. He says, that is a cute kitty cat. I don't know why no one wants that cat. He brings the cat home. He begins to feed the cat. He says, this is the cutest cat I've ever seen. Loves the cat, gives the cat milk. But over time, he notices this cat is bigger than any other cat I've ever had. He comes to find out this cat is actually a tiger. And now the thing he's been feeding, he is now the meal of. He is now devoured by the thing he's been feeding. And that is sin's aim. It wants you to feel like you can play with me, like I won't kill you. I'm cute and I'm cuddly and I won't hurt you. Ten months later, I've devoured you. If you play with sin, you're playing with a murderer. You're playing with a killer. Have you, haven't you noticed that? Haven't you noticed that your temptations, your desires, it's just like this little thing and then you just want more because it's not enough? Why isn't it not enough? Because, it, because it's a broken jug. It will never be enough until you bend down and get down to that fountain and drink from that water. So understand this idea of death is both figurative and literal. It is figurative in the sense that death is this idea of separation, separating you from your relationship with God. It is a separation in terms of your confidence in God, your life in God, it is a separation. But that is a figurative idea of death, separation from you and God. But it is also a separation from the soul, from the body, that is physical death. And what the Bible, when it uses that, that idea of death figuratively and literally, it is saying, well, yes, death, absolutely. It separates you from God. But if you sin long enough, it can actually kill you. Fear and anxiety and doubt can destroy you. And your pursuits after your idols can kill you. And even if it doesn't take your life physically, the Bible talks about having a life that's full. Not just a life that's breathing, a life that's full. 
A full life is a life with Christ. An abundant life. And so this is what Moses says to the people in Deuteronomy 11. See, I am setting before you today, as he gave them the law, a blessing and a curse. I want you to notice, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the law before you, but you've got to understand, this is, it, it, there's two sides to this. The blessing, well, this happens is, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. Ah, but don't forget. And the curse. If you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I'm commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. He says, there you have the law, and with the law, you might assume that I'm just telling you how to live right or wrong. Understand this, saints. Temptation. Temptation isn't just a choice of right or wrong. It's a choice of favor or opposition. Blessing or cursing. Life and death. And I've come here before you to say, to say choose life. Yes. Choose favor. Choose blessing, but understand that when you yield to temptation, you are choosing cursing. You are choosing death. You are choosing opposition. Opposition. You are choosing it. It is a choice laid before you. Those small choices every day. And how many of you want the favor of God in your life? You want the favor of God on your life? Then do God's favorite things. One day, my daughter came to me. She said, Daddy, can I clean off the table so Mommy can put down dinner? I said, baby, that's no problem. She said, Daddy, can I take out the trash? I said, absolutely. She said, Daddy, can I clean up? I said, absolutely. I will, and what else would you like to do? Because I've been noticing you do the things I like. And so I'm gonna give you more of what you want because I've noticed you want what I want. The favor is not a secret. Favor comes from those small micro choices of obedience. Choose life. Choose blessing. Choose favor. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for the choice. It is only because of Christ dying on the cross for our sins that we even have a choice. It is only because of the power of the Holy Spirit that we can choose you. Choose life. Choose favor. Choose blessing. Sin, it crouches at our door and it does seek to devour us. So Father, today, would you by your spirit make us more aware of who you are? Make us more aware of your presence. Drown out those things 
that have got, Father, what's gotten our attention this morning? What's got my attention? What's been persuading me and what's been persuading me? Father, can you cut it off at the stage of luring? Cut it off at the stage of enticement. Because we're reminded that you always give me a way of escape. Even if I'm lured, even if I've enticed, you can get me off the hook and you can provide me another way. Let us grow in your power because we want to experience the favor, the blessing, and the life of God. In Jesus' name, all God's people said amen. amen. Would you stand with me? We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 1030 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.